on more than one occasion, a, a linesman has commented to us that we're a first world country with a third world power grid. In other words, a fragile power grid. So in today's episode of SDN, uh, we're going to discuss the top three things that you can do uh, to prepare for losing power during the cold winter months. Hey guys, today's video is sponsored by Garmin. Now just to be clear, Garmin did not pay us to mention them or their products here today. They did, however, send us the InReach Mini 2 satellite communicator. Now, this little device has the ability to send and receive text over their satellite network. It also connects to your smartphone and provides GPS functionality. And in turn, that can be used to send your location to others in your chosen contact list or to send an SOS to the Garmin Monitoring Center uh, that's staffed 24 seven. In addition to that, you can also get weather forecasts on the Mini 2 device as well. Now, one of the best things about this device is the battery life can be extended to a couple of weeks on a full charge uh, just by reducing how often it checks within the satellite network. Now, Garmin has several different subscription plans uh, that can be started and stopped as needed. We are currently subscribed to their safety plan, which only costs us a little less than 12 bucks a month. As always, we will have a link in the description to check out the InReach Mini 2 satellite communicator from Garmin. On this episode of SDN, we're going to discuss the weakness of our power grid as it pertains to the cold winter months and losing power. Um, in light of the recent storm and uh, cold weather that's affected most of the continent, we felt this was a good time to review the top three things uh, to prepare in advance uh, before the power grid in your area potentially goes down. Um, we're assuming that you're already sheltered in your home. So we're going to cover the top three things, keeping that assumption in mind. Number one is temporary power. Number two is heat. And number three is food preservation. Uh, Tyler's joined us from Utah. Tyler, give us your thoughts on uh, temporary power. So temporary power is pretty easy. Essentially, you guys can have a generator. I have a couple of generators. The main one I like to use is the ALF generator. The reason I like that is because on my back porch, I've got a natural gas hose that can feed my barbecue. I can hook that straight up to the natural to the uh, Alp propane generator and run natural gas through the thing. So, yes, I have a couple of 20-gallon tanks that are backup, but I also have this main line that I can use that would normally be heating my house anyway through the big heating unit that I can run the generator. And then once you've got a generator, now you've got bridge power. Now you've got potentially small heater power. Now you've got uh, ways to recharge your communication device. So that becomes substantial. So quick question on that ELP generator. Um, they're pretty neat. We've got one here, but we haven't got too deep into, uh, you know, playing with it. How long does that last off a 20-gallon propane tank, you know, for, uh, for a grill? So... It's hard to give an exact answer for that because if your power consumption has the thing up to full RPM, it's going to go out further. Kind of like if you're listening on a radio, you can go for weeks, but if you're constantly talking, it 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 shoots it down. But I've I've run it for a solid week on its lowest power setting. Um, so if you're not if you're not like running an AC unit or something super powerful, you can go a lot longer than you would think, or I should say, a lot longer than you can on like a five gallon thing of gas. So uh, there are a thousand watts uh, maximum output. 
So would it be safe to assume, you know, if, if you're powering some stuff up for your house that you could easily get a week's worth out of a couple of propane tanks? Yeah, I mean, you probably could. Um, the best way to answer this and really the best way to answer all these problems, try it. So there's nothing wrong with you turning on your out generator, plug that thing in the fridge and just let that thing run until you smoke a tank. And then you say, okay, now I know how far that goes. Um, like I said, if 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 there's any way right now, because we're talking about preparing in advance, that you can add a natural gas pipe that goes outside of your house and just plug that thing into it. Um, until natural gas ceases to flow, you have this indefinite supply. So I think that's the first answer. That's what I'm doing. Now, okay. in addition to that, I have two of them on my uh, two 20-gallon two tanks on my camper. I've got one of my, uh, two of them actually, a primary and a backup on my um on my barbecuer and i guess what i'm saying is gross overkill is the answer not just enough because you don't know if your incident is going to be one week 30 days or however long it's going to be so prepare for three times as much as it might ever be and then you should one of our former properties we had uh, 1200 gallons of propane buried in the ground and then we had lawns running off of that you know to the fireplace to our outdoor grill so on and so forth uh, so maybe not as it doesn't have the longevity of public, you know, natural gas coming to you, but it 1200 gallons of propane would run a long time on a thousand watt generator. Definitely. We used to, we used to hit our house on a similar tank when we were on the ranch. It was just this big giant size of a Volkswagen Beetle yep. propane above down tank. We would just run that for an entire season. Yeah, I believe it. So we've also got some other options like gas generators uh, solar panels, uh, battery backups like Tesla power walls, uh, portable power stations slash power banks. Uh, what are your thoughts on those, Tyler? Gas generators are good and diesel generators are good as well because you're going to get a higher wattage output. You can go 2,000, 3,000. I've got a 3,600 watt uh, gas generator that I can run my campers super high powered uh, AC unit off of. Um, but it'll smoke three or four hours that'll run its own tank dry. Okay. So I can usually go for a week on a one big scepter five gallon gas pan. Um, the problem with gas too is that you need a lot of gas storage. It goes stale. You can use stabilizers and that kind of thing. Um, diesel, we didn't mention, but diesel generators are a little more efficient. Um, they run in the lower RPM but they're way more expensive. So I guess if you really need a lot of juice, high, high demand, like running a big AC unit, running uh, multiple fridges or uh, microwaves type stuff, you're gonna want something with more output. I might mention too, you can daisy chain those out generators. You can have, you need 2000, just get two of them, they connect together. They're, if I remember like 500 bucks each roughly. Um, so if you have a higher needs, just daisy chain them together. And if, if you get generator systems, I think some of those HANAs can do that as well. You can have a higher load on your electrical system, but you then double your fuel consumption. Uh, I recently spoke to uh, Perry Rubin, uh, the founder and uh, owner of ELP Generators, and they were getting ready to launch a 2000 uh, watt propane power generator, but he put the brakes on it because of the economic collapse that's going on in China right now. And we're going to address that in a future episode of SDN. Uh, but it, it's interesting that he's he's going in that direction to provide higher wattage. 
Uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, portable power stations? I mean, we've reviewed a bunch of them. We've got more to review. Um, bang for the buck. What are your thoughts? They're great for communication, right? Like ham radio, that kind of stuff, but they're limited. I'm a, I kind of would rather see a large generator or large solar panel, a medium to small size uh, battery type thing. And again, I'm kind of going here on the mobile route. So, and this isn't really a mobile question. So if you've got a large tank of electricity, that's great for your home. You don't have to move it. Um, let me boil it down to this. Your generator and your solar panel is like range. Bigger the generator, the bigger the solar panel, the more rain that you've got. And then a, a, a power device is like a battery, kind of like a reservoir. The reservoir, once it's full, it's full. You're going to have excess spilling unused rain, a.k.a. Uh, your your burning through fuel without actually being efficient about it. You're wasting fuel. Okay. Right. So I, I really like a huge tank, you know, like a Tesla wall would be amazing that you can have at your house that gets trickle charged over a big duration. Or if you're mobile, a huge rain device, like a generator in your camper or whatever, uh, as opposed to, I guess what I'm trying to say is the tanks are heavy. The generator compared to a bunch of batteries that would equate to that generator is essentially lighter, and solar panels are the lightest. Um, but when it comes to being at a home, um, tanks are great. So you want a really heavy tank at home. And another thing to, to look into, solar panels aren't always standalone. In fact, most of them aren't. So if you're going to install solar panels on your roof and the power goes out, you can't utilize it. It's kind of a waste. That's one of the main reasons I don't have solar on my current house. Um, if you're able to, to create a standalone solar power system with something like a Tesla wall or a EcoFlow or, or even just a bunch of bioenergy batteries, then you can tap into that system when you need it. It's, it's, it's the rain in the form of solar and it's the reservoir in the form of a bunch of batteries. And if you have it separate from your existing electrical system, you have that option to flip a switch, plug into the system, whatever you've got to do, run extension cords to the little barn in your backyard and tap into that when the power goes out. So that, that's one of the major things, one of the major huge red flag for me. Any solar power system that you can't use on the power goes out. All I have to say about this, why? Why'd you spend all that money on something you can't use? So a couple quick comments uh, before we wrap up temporary power. Number one, um, thinking of people who live in, condos and apartments um you know a portable power station slash battery uh may be the only real option that they have uh that they can utilize back to the solar and not being able to use it so during hurricane matthew there was a an emergency legislative session where fpl and duke lobbied uh the rick scott you know admin to outlaw the use of solar during power outages because they were afraid that that line workers would get electrocuted there was already an existing law in place that said if you have solar in the state of florida that you have to have a disconnect so that when the grid goes down your home is disconnected from the grid so that you could utilize solar so basically what fpl and duke did is they doubled the cost of a pv solar install from 30,000 for the panels to 30,000 for the panels and 30,000 for a Tesla Powerwall. It was a very shady stuff that they did. There was no danger posed to linesmen whatsoever, but their argument was is that you had to have this battery backup to simulate the grid being up. And it's 
it's a good example of corporate greed um, and and not being in the best interests of the residents of Florida. But mo moving on from temporary power, uh, the next thing on our list is heat. You know, we've got things like wood and, and pellet stoves, uh, you know, construction propane generators, uh, some electric heat maybe off your temporary power. What are your thoughts on heat, Tyler? And, you know, keeping in mind, we're talking, you know, cold winter months and power outages. So I like to go apartment, let's call it rural house, and then your ideal situation. I've lived in all three. When I was in an apartment, I had kerosene heaters. They're fire. They still use up oxygen, but they create a lot of heat. They're completely mobile. And uh, I tested it in an apartment complex that I had two cities over. And basically, I'd turn on my kerosene, my mobile kerosene heater, um, stick it up on a block, kind of bring it up a little bit higher. I would crack windows because it's it is creating uh, it, it it's burning in your house, right? There's got to be some sort of vent flow. Um, the reason why I did the kerosene heaters is almost all of Afghanistan when I was there. There's not a lot of trees to burn, so they burn a lot of kerosene, and the whole valley smells like burnt kerosene in the evening. But kerosene is my personal answer for uh, apartment complex because. If you've got a generator trying to create electrical heat, kind of a bit of a waste. Another idea that I had recently that I really like is a mobile diesel heater. You can take this mobile diesel heater, stick it outside your window, stick the heater part in your window. You can run it off of five gallons of diesel at about a, a gallon 24-hour cycle and heat up an entire room with this. <clears throat> so when we start moving up to the next level, I'm a big fan of houses with wood. I grew up in southeastern Idaho and chop wood every day. Um, Likewise. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we, we heated the majority of our houses on wood. My current house, I'm looking at a fireplace right there, and I know there's a fireplace on the next upper level, and we had family here yesterday for Christmas, and I heated the whole house for about the last 24 hours off of wood. So the reality is I've gone out of my way to pick houses that have fireplaces in them because if the electricity goes down and my my natural gas electrical push uh heating unit over here goes out i can just start throwing firewood in and we're going to be fine so firewood is a great option a lot of these old houses they were standalone before the new systems came into play so getting an old house keeping it up kept a bit and using the thicker walls like when when in texas and all that snow hit i have a friend down there named darren who was in a hundred year old house he just turned the stove on and just went about his day it was a non-issue while other people were freezing there. so fire's the main thing if if there's not um if that's not an option a microclimate so a little tent with sleeping bags inside of it that you heat up as if you're camping inside of your home that's an interesting uh, solution yeah big a lot of layers this is uh part of my go kit from my car i have a whole a marshmallow suit um get enough clothes that you can sit at nighttime by yourself with nothing and be warm and then keep that at your house and if you've got that good yeah i was just going to make two quick comments i mean we've been down in the low 20s here even in central florida over the past couple of days at nighttime uh you know highs in the upper 30s lower 40s uh, so we've been heating uh with wood ever since then so whenever we have a hurricane 
so Hurricane Nicole didn't result in a lot of, uh, you know, trees being knocked down, but Hurricane Ian certainly did. So we drive around this area and, and grab all the wood that we can and throw it in our backyard. And we've been burning wood now for a few days uh, to keep us warm here, even in Florida. Um, love that solution of having a little micro area inside. That's that's pretty innovative. Uh, so moving on to the third step that we're recommending people do in advance for their power grid go, goes down is uh, food preservation. So when it comes to food preservation, the first thing that's going to crap out is what's in your fridge. Um, having a generator outside and an extension cable that can run in. That ALF generator, I'm not trying to throw that out all the time, but that's one of my main solutions. I've got that that uh, natural gas hose on the back porch. I connect it to that ALF generator. I run a extension cord in my house, and now I can run my microwave, my fridge, whatever that I want to run. So the first thing that's going to go out is your fridge. Either run power to it or eat the food in your fridge and drive on. Um, the next thing, uh, if it's cold enough, you can keep stuff outside. My porch right now, I've got a bunch of sodas and stuff from uh, Christmas that are sitting on the porch. And when I was in Idaho, uh, when it was really cold, like freezing cold, we would keep frozen things outside in a, it was an outer room that we had on the house. And you can keep frozen stuff there. Anything you can keep below ground. Um, if my power went out, this basement I'm in right now would be a great fridge, right? It wouldn't freeze because it's below ground, but it would be plenty cold to keep milk fresh. I've got a cold storage space over there that I'd be able to keep it in. So think think about that already. That's that's a large reason why people have fridges in their garages because fridges will take your existing temperature and make it, let's say, 20 degrees colder than the existing temperature, depending on the power of the fridge. If you stick a fridge in the garage, and now it only has to keep it five degrees colder than what your garage is mm -hmm. you're just utilizing the natural environment's ability to keep cold and you know that would be the same thing for something that's hot so have a risk mitigation that's all survival is have a plan b if if the power goes out this is what i'm going to do the best way to test that walk outside your house right now flip your power off and see what you need first okay if you need heat come up with a heat solution if you need your food did not go rotten in the fridge. Come up with a non-rotten fridge solution. You're talking to me about how uh, running your fridge for 40 minutes keeps it cold enough for, was it a 24-hour cycle? Yep. 40 minutes a day will preserve your food for 24 hours in the refrigerator. So if you're, if you're able to do that, that's also 40 minutes of gas, natural gas, diesel usage on your generator. And then you just turn it off and run a timer. And if you've got that generator that's re repowering some sort of a, uh, uh, a tank. I'm going to call it a tank. It could be an anchor battery. It could be a gold zero, whatever uh, EcoFlow device that you have. Cool the fridge back down to temperatures. Keep that thing shut. Keep your kids out of it. Cool that or recharge those batteries. And now use those batteries to charge your phones and your communication devices and whatever else it is that you need. Maybe even electric blankets. I drove semis a long time ago. And one thing that we had were electric blankets. If you were if you're running a generator outside and an electric blanket inside of a small tent, you're going to be cooked right out of it. You're not going to get cold. One thing I do want to mention is frozen pipes in your house can become a massive issue. If you think you're going into a long duration spell, uh, open your water up, fill up uh, your, your tubs and those kind of devices, then kill your main water switch off. Mine's in my driveway. Figure out where yours is. Then open up all your faucets and just let them drain. And you might get a little bit of an ice buildup but you won't get cracked pipes because you've relieved the pressure in your pipes. 
And that's a way to keep things from breaking until you can get your heat turned back on and unthaw those pipes. Well, we have a we have a cabin in North Georgia in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And when it goes below freezing, we're not there. We have the neighbor just crack the taps so that their dripping or running water is not going to freeze. So we leave our pump running, um, but it's it's on a slow trickle on all the faucets. And we've never had any issues with that. Just backing up to the food preservation stuff. Uh, it's not uncommon in North Texas to have a cold cellar or cold room under the front porch. Um, so, and we've had that uh, convenience ourselves and it's great because it, it keeps the temperature, you know, 40 degrees, even lower almost year round uh, because it's insulated by the ground. So um, essentially for food preservation, the, the top, you know, the points we covered are, you know, plug in your fridge to your temp power, maybe 40 minutes a day that, you know, that's the recommendation here in Florida when we have a hurricane. Uh, you could use coolers packed with snow or ice. You could potentially store stuff outside if uh, critters aren't an issue. Um, but we're going to wrap up today's uh, episode of Survival Dispatch News on that point. Uh, let us know your thoughts in the comments. And if you'd like us to dive deeper into the uh, you know three topics we covered today. And please don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment.